We're live right now with Mr. Peter, Mr. Peter Rakaik. Hey, what's up? How have you been? Hey, I've been great. How are you, David? I'm fine. I'm fine. Are you in your car right now? No, actually, I am sitting in my RV in Florida at the Word of Life RV Park. Oh, that's the best place to retire. Best place to retire. You you kind of get the best of all worlds. No winter. God's word is right next to you with the best of speakers from Word of Life all over the world. I think you're in heaven. You just don't know it. Yes, I, I think I think we are in heaven. We don't know it yet. The weather is beautiful. Back home in Canada, they've got snow and ice and freezing temperatures. Here we have beautiful sunshine, nice and warm. It's great. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Peter, for joining us from heaven. <laughs> But it's always good to it's always good to hear from you. I was talking to someone today. Uh, about about you and saying oh listening to peter uh, mr peter vakik i'm sorry if i if i know i'm part of a school right now where we are forced to address professors by professor you don't just call them by their first name and uh, yet word of life is the opposite uh, you call the executive director don and jack and and so i i get confused sometimes when i simply refer to you as peter but mr peter it's uh, it's a privilege to have you um I was Thank talking you. to someone and I, and I, and I said, you know, uh, Mr. Peter is like the modern day uh, Paul, literally, uh, of the 21st <laughs> century. Uh, he, he seems to be close to death, <laughs> <laughs> being stoned and uh, surviving all those, uh, all those life-threatening events uh, in Nigeria. And so it, it, it's, I, I always think about you when I'm afraid of the, of the, When I get afraid over the mission field, I remember that uh, God was with you. He was with Isaac, with us as well. And so we, I, I personally hold you with high esteem, if I can say. Uh, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Um, it's, it's beautiful to all just simply uh, think about the impact uh, of your ministry in Nigeria. Um, And so you are inspiring many of us uh, to do the same, to go out, even when it's not safe, uh, at least according to us. And so it's been a, it's been a, a, a few years I've known you of encouragement. And uh, I just wanted to say that uh, to you. But thank you so much uh, for being here. For those of you who have just joined us tonight, we are with Mr. Peter Vakaj. And the topic tonight is the art of explaining away the work of God. And we're picking this from really Exodus 7, and uh, we'll have it tied into the New Testament passage that most of us are familiar with, uh, Romans 1. But thinking about Exodus uh, 7, uh, let me just flip my Bible there. Please open your Bibles there if you can. I'm sure you can. I think this app allows you to be able to open your Bible as well as continue listening. So if you can, just go to Exodus uh, 7 and just listen to this story of, uh, of Pharaoh. Uh, and of course, uh, you know the story. This is something that has been taught in Sunday school uh, for so many years for some of us uh, who got uh, who got into church at a younger age. But starting from, let me actually just start from verse one. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, see, I've made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you. And your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will burden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply many signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen uh, to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now, Moses was 80 years and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. And this is where it gets interesting. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh, prove yourselves by working a miracle. Then you shall say to Aaron, Take your stuff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord 
commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by, this, by their sacred arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents, and Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. The interesting part is also verse 23 emphasizes what just took place. It says, Pharaoh turned and went to into his house, and he did not take even this to heart. Did not take even this to heart. And I know we can stand in our judgment seats and begin to look at Pharaoh and judge him for his hardened heart. But our question tonight is going to be similar to what Pharaoh went through, or similar to what was ha happening. And the question I have here is, how do we fail to see God? in the everyday miracles of our lives. Because sometimes I think we do. We are all our hearts so hardened that we have learned the art of explaining him away. Just like Pharaoh. I mean, he could do it. His servants could do it. A New Testament version of this is Romans chapter 1. They knew God, but, and I quote, explained him away. Uh, that is my own expression of that chapter 18. Why? Because, I mean, chapter 1, and uh, here the passage says they suppress the truth. They suppress the truth. And this is the art of compromise, how sin takes root and hardens our hearts. The art of compromise, how sin takes root and hardens our, heart, our hearts. Is there a process to this? And I, I believe there's a pattern. I believe there's a pattern. And I asked Mr. Peter this evening just to share with us from God's word and show us, is there a pattern to this? Is there something that we are missing? Um, but, I mean, we were talking on earlier on, those of you who were on the show earlier, uh, about Mr. Peter and just talking through where he is. And he said, I've just entered my RV uh, van. And uh, it, it's a retirement park, literally. And uh, Mr. Peter, how old are you? I know you're going to be sharing with us some of these uh, secrets of wisdom, <laughs> of understanding the Christian life. But how old are you, <laughs> Mr. Peter? I will be, I will be 67 next month. 67. That's, That's literally pretty old. half of me. That's half of me. <laughs> <laughs> When you, when you were my age, I wasn't born. I, like, there was, I wasn't even anywhere close to ever being thought of. But 67, that's, that's awesome. God has really blessed you with, uh, with, 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 some, with life. And, and we want to learn from you uh, this evening. But when I shared this with you, Mr. Peter, what, what first of all came to your mind? What came to your mind? What was your first thought concerning uh, this topic tonight? Well, my first thought immediately went to Romans chapter 1. Um, I, mm. I've taught that uh, chapter, especially uh, verses 18 to 32. And mm. uh, I, I see it in the world all around me, uh, in Canada, in the U.S., in Africa, Nigeria. Mm. Wherever we go, we see people rejecting God and coming up mm. with alternate explanations for things that are happening and uh, anything not to give God the credit, not to give God the authority in their mm. life. Um, so they, they have to come up with different, different ideas, different idols, different explanations that they live their life by. And I see it every day, every day. Um, can we, I, I think, I don't know if we can boldly say, but I think even us Christians are sometimes guilty. Um, why? Because we have an app for the weather <laughs> mm -hmm. where we can tell it's going to rain. Uh, we've kind of mastered the seasons and I'm sure several ones were moving into Florida as the, as the rest of the country was getting, was getting colder. We've mastered the program. And uh, I, I visited some families in the U.S., and this is not to criticize, but it's different from Africa in all sorts of ways. There's two, there's two fridges, one on the inside and one in the garage. And uh, we grew up in a, in, 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 a, in a place, if you, you know Africa, you've been to Nigeria. 
Yes. You, you, we've grown up where you, you only have food enough for that day and the next day. And uh, the third day is a miracle. The third day is an extreme miracle. And so I think even as believers in, in our living in, our living in, uh, in plenty uh, has caused us to explain away the miracle of God's, which is in the Lord's Prayer, God's daily food. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. I, I don't even know how, what that means anymore uh, because we, we, play, we now pray for the monthly bread or the yearly bread. Uh, we calculate salaries in terms of... Uh, but what, what, what advice would you give to a Christian who may not be lacking uh, how can we, on a daily basis, be looking out for the miracles that God performs? Because he does perform them. Um, um, I'm going to be preaching this Sunday. And one of the things, the illustrations I'm going to use is the fact that I'll, I'll try and take the audience back to a point where maybe if you were swimming, you, you began to choke, and then you finally got your breath back. You, you will completely understand the, the value of breath and knowing that even the breath that we have is, is a gift from God to be consciously and constantly aware of what God is doing. How can you advise us, Mr. Peter? I know we're going to get to a point where I won't interrupt you anymore as you share with us, but what would be your advice to a Christian who is living in plenty and uh, maybe oblivious of what God is doing in their life currently? Mr. Okay. I've, I've often said I think that God should allow every human being to spend five minutes in hell. So we would know, we would experience what our destination is without Christ. Um, and then after five minutes, bring us back out again, uh, because we would, you know, not be able to survive it. And then we would know that once we receive Christ as our savior, we would know mm. how much he has given us, how much he has forgiven us, what he has spared us from. And then mm. that would make a, a thankful, grateful heart within us. Mm. I think if, if you've gone to a, a level of maturity in your walk with the Lord, you would wake mm. up every single morning with the name of Jesus on your breath and the mm. words, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you have done in my life. Mm. The mm. very air that I breathe, the very health that I enjoy, the food that I'm about to take for breakfast, every single thing comes from God's hand. Uh, I know from living in Nigeria and many of the people that we worked with, many of the people that we helped, uh, they didn't know when they got up in the morning what they would eat. They didn't know what they would have for dinner. Their day consisted of looking for some kind of work or something that I, they could earn enough money to be able to have uh, food for dinner. And that was for that day. Tomorrow, mm. th that wasn't even a thought yet. It was just mm. to be able to survive, survive this day. And so those of us that live with uh, food in the refrigerator, food in, in the pantry, whether it is enough for, for two days, one week, a month, uh, no matter what it is, it comes from God's hand. Uh, and I think a thankful heart is the beginning. A thankful heart is the beginning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Peter. Um, it, it's interesting when you talk about five minutes in hell <laughs> um, that would appreciate uh, what God has saved us from. And already that is, uh, in fact, we've just been talking about that with Grace uh, this evening what should be the cause of our obedience. I think it's an appreciation of what he has saved us from, understanding that uh, in, in him, literally, he, we, we owe him everything. We owe him everything. Nothing we deserve. Amen. Nothing that we deserve. But I was just thinking about um, 
Yes, I would like to read for us uh, some Psalm 100, and, and maybe to encourage you. And, and if you can, please go ahead and just share with us in the chat uh, below. What verse comes to your mind, those of you who are listening right now, what verse comes to your mind when you talk about Thanksgiving or, or seeing the little things that little in court, uh, that, that the, the miracles that God provides for us? What verse comes to your mind? For me, I would like to just, uh, talking about Thanksgiving, I think Psalm 100, it's only five verses, best describes some of the things that uh, we need to be uh, doing or how we need to react to God's uh, goodness and, uh, and faithfulness. Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. And uh, I, I, I stop at verse 2 there a little bit. And I remember moments that I've seen uh, of me serving, <laughs> not with gladness, maybe with grumbling. But it says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Um, and then verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his. And uh, an interesting version of this verse probably would be, you are brought at a price. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. We are his. We are his and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Why? Verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love, what does it do? Endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. To all generations. Um, and so there are so many ways, pieces of evidence that show us about, uh, talk about God's goodness and his uh, faithfulness and how his love endures forever. Endurance usually can be painful. Uh, when I think about it in relation to running or exercise, physical exercise, when you talk about endurance, for us, my, the picture that comes to mind is, uh, is painful. But it also talks about, at least for me, my understanding of endurance is to persist through a long time. Uh, and, and for God to be kind, always patient with us, always waiting to forgive, quick to forgive, his merciful his love throughout all generations that's that's unfathomable we cannot we can't we can't understand that and so may that verse may that chapter encourage you concerning god's uh, thankfulness but mr peter allow me to 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 pray um and, and just give you a chance to share with us I, I would like to ask the audience and those who are listening to us and uh, joining into this conversation if you have any questions please post them in the comment below um, and Mr. Peter will be able to answer them uh, at the end. But allow me to pray and then welcome Mr. Peter. Father, we thank you uh, so much uh, for it. Another time where we, we simply come to um, just share uh, the bread of your word, uh, the bread of life, uh, and be energized. And uh, we want to pray that tonight you will just uh, focus our minds back to some of the things that uh, we've... Uh, forgotten, the miracles you perform every day uh, that we take for granted, that we will not explain away um, the things that you try to do in our lives to get our attention. We will not explain away the work that you're doing in our lives, uh, either academically or by suppressing the truth in arguments uh, that are fruitless, but may we uh, engage in, uh, in conversations that are fruitful uh, for making us better Christians, for making us Christians who uh, are seeking growth, Christians who are seeking to love you and serve you with gladness. And so we pray that tonight will benefit us in that way, that may your word um, just cut deep into our hearts uh, to cause us uh, to change and to, to grow in the knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you. We would like to commit Mr. Peter into your hands, asking that you give him wisdom, uh, even as he shares the truth of God's word with us. This to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mr. Peter, you're Amen. welcome. Thank you very much, David. Um, before I get into uh, Romans chapter 1, I want to just share uh, a personal story about God's provision for my wife and my family and our thankfulness, and uh, you talk about modern-day miracles. I think this was one of them. Uh, 
my wife and I and our two kids were up in Scroon Lake, New York, at the Word of Life Bible Institute. Um, my wife and I and our oldest daughter were students, all three of us, in the same class. Uh, she was 17 years old going to school with her parents that were uh, 40 and 39 years old. So that was unusual. And our son was in uh, high school. Now, uh, we had sold everything we, we had, and uh, we had moved up to this area to go to Bible school. We didn't have much in the way of money. We, we lived rather a, a poor life. I know it's hard for you to understand Americans living a poor life, but uh, when you're a Bible school student, there isn't much money. So there came a time when we literally ran out of food. There, uh, that evening, uh, as we jokingly call it, my wife made our last supper. Uh, it was just some odds and ends and scraps uh, that were left. It wasn't really a proper meal, um, but there were some edible things. And we finished every last scrap of food. There was nothing left. And uh, so we were going to bed. It was about 1130 in the evening and uh, we were praying and we were actually just pouring our heart out to the Lord, saying, Lord, we, we, we know we've followed you in obedience to leave our, our life, to leave our business and our home and, and move all these many, many miles across the country to go to Bible school. We've really been trying to be good with our, uh, our finances and, and careful but we find ourselves with no money and no food. Lord, please help us. And uh, we're just laying our heads down to go to sleep. And we heard some footsteps coming up the wooden stairs. We, we lived in an apartment on the second floor of a building and we could hear someone coming up the, those steps and then a knock at the door. This was at 1130 at night. It's not usual for people to, to call on you that late at night. I jumped out of bed and pulled on my trousers and went to answer the door. And it was uh, a friend of ours from school. He too was a, a married student. And he had in his arms three big sacks of food that that he and his wife had just purchased that day at the grocery store at the supermarket and as i opened the door he began to apologize he said i'm sorry i i, I don't want you to think that we think of you as a charity case uh, you know please don't and uh so we began to to talk i says no of course we don't and in the meantime my wife hearing all of this uh she came also out of the bedroom she put on her robe and she just took our friend over to where the refrigerator was and she opened the door of the refrigerator and he looked inside and there was no food and then he she took him over to the the pantry that would normally be stocked up with food and she opened the door to the pantry and there was no food there. And his eyes were just big and, and he was wondering. And he said to us, this is what happened. My wife and I, he said, went to the supermarket this afternoon and we brought, bought all of these food items. And we came home and Normally, when you come home from the supermarket, the first thing you do is you put everything away, right? Into the refrigerator, the pantry, into the cupboard. But they felt uneasy about doing that. And so the, the bags of, of food items sat on the table for all afternoon. 
and into the evening. And the Lord began to put upon his heart the thought that he should bring those food items to Peter and Betty. And he said, oh, no, that's that's crazy. That's silly. They don't need anything. And then finally, at about 11 p.m. in the evening, the urging of the Holy Spirit was so strong in his heart. He actually answered out loud. He said, okay, Lord, I'll go. And he gathered up the food and came to our apartment. And he saw why the Lord wanted him to bring the food. And we rejoiced in God's great hand of provision. A modern day miracle. And we, uh, we were just so very, very thankful. He and his wife, they, they had more money. They were able to go the next day to get uh, food again. But Betty and I were so thankful for what God had done. But he was trying to build faith, faith in him, that we could trust him with the very uh, needs of our life, like food. And we're so thankful for that because as we went to Nigeria, there were many times when we had to trust him, trust him for every little thing. And he had taught us how to do that. But unfortunately, most of the world does not live that way. Most of the world does not have faith in Jesus Christ. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 18 to the end of the chapter, verse 32. Romans 1, beginning at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness, in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And it, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind and to do those things which are not fitting being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, 
but also approve of those who practice them. So that's a pretty sad state of affairs for mankind that we've just read about here. The title that I give to this message is actually two titles. The one is Progression of Rejection. The other is the devolution of mankind, not evolution. I don't believe in evolution, but the devolution of mankind uh, going down into decay. And I see four different stages, if you will, of this progression of rejection. The first I call indifferent. Second, independent. The third, immoral. And the fourth, irrational. Let's look at these, each one a little bit closer. Indifferent. We're looking at verses 18 to 20. The first thing we see there is that they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We live in a world today that uh, truth does not always prevail. Satan is alive and well, and he is putting forth his lies. And many, many people are suppressing the truth. And that's what is happening uh, now. That's what was happening in Moses' day. The truth was being suppressed. Whatever God was doing that was true and right, mankind would have to suppress it. And then we see that uh, God is manifest. God is clearly seen. I'm often asked by people who say, well, you know, what about all the people that have never heard the gospel? Are they going to be in hell? as well and this verse right here says that uh, they are without excuse verse 20 that his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and godhead so that they are without excuse see god is clearly seen if you keep your finger here in Romans chapter 1 and you go back to Psalm 19 Psalm 19 verses 1 through 4 this is what we read the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Verse one, the heavens declare. It's like the, the heavens are shouting out the glory of God. And day after day, night after night, God's creation is uttering speech in every language it doesn't matter what language you speak you can see God's beautiful creation that speaks about him and his his attributes so there's no excuse for anyone not to believe in God or that there is a God and so the first stage in this rejection is that people become indifferent they don't bother to look at the creation as anything special. They, uh, they come up with alternate explanations. Scripture says that God created the heavens and the earth in six literal days and rested on the seventh. But you see, those that don't want to believe in God, don't want to come under the authority of God, they have come up with an alternate idea. And that is the idea of evolution. 
the evolution of uh, the creation. That it wasn't God. It just happened over billions of years, just by chance, a big bang. And there's there's no proof of that. It is an alternate religion because they've rejected God. And that's the thing that is at the basis of all of this is that they reject God. So that's the first stage, the stage of indifference. The second stage is independent, verses 21 through 23. Independent. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. They wanted to live their lives independent of the one true God. Verse 21 says, they knew about God from his general revelation that we just read about in Psalm 19. They knew about God. They knew there was a creator God, but they refused to glorify and worship him. They became thankless. And if the idea being they don't want to recognize that there is a God, that there's a God who created the earth, because if they recognize that, then it follows logically that they have a responsibility being a created being that belongs to God. They have a responsibility to God. And they don't want that. So they want to live independent of God. And what's the result of all of that? It's foolishness, alternate gods, evolution, and man being the supreme being. And uh, this, is, this is the problem that we begin to run into. Romans... 10, or excuse me, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 20 says, Rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Okay, they, they cut God out of the in, uh, equation. They want to live independently of God. So they give themselves over to foolishness, to uh, demonic uh, alternate gods and idols. They believe in the theory of evolution. That is man. First he becomes indifferent. Then he becomes independent. And thirdly, what follows next in this progression of rejection is the third stage of immoral, immorality, verses 24 through 27. This is what we read. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the uh, creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving it in themselves, the penalty of their error, which was due. So what they did was they exchanged the truth for a lie. What is that lie? That's idols. Anything that is against God, anti-God. Uh, they did not want to believe in God. They rejected God. 
And so they exchanged God's truth for a lie. And God gave them up to that. God said, you know, we're not robots. We have a will. And God said, if that's what you wish to do and you want to, you want to reject me, then that's what you will do. Romans 6 verses 12, 13, and 16. This is what we read. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Verse 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading unto death or of obedience leading to righteousness? There's, there's a result. There, is, uh, there are consequences for our decisions. And those that wanted to exchange the truth for a lie, they have become slaves. Um, in Ephesians chapter 4, we have a, another little bit of a description of this. Ephesians 4, 17 through 19. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. That phrase, futility of their mind, literally means hollow in the head. Uh, th there's nothing inside. They're hollow in the head, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Being past feeling, that's that idea of being calloused. Uh, I grew up on a farm and we worked out in the fields when, when I was a boy and we worked long hours and uh, our hands were, were hard and rough and calloused. Uh, from all those hours and days of, of hard work out in the fields. And so that's what their hearts are like. Those that have become immoral and have rejected God, their hearts, their consciences, their minds are calloused, hard, and against God. And so God has given them up to those things that are unnatural, Homosexuality uh, is unnatural. That's not how God created people to be. And, and don't believe the lie that someone says, well, that's just the way I am. Uh, you know, an adulterer could say that same thing. Well, that's just the way I am. As if that is a valid excuse. Or the thief, the criminal could say, oh, well, that's just the way I am. That's the way I was born. That's not an excuse. It's a sin. There is help. There is forgiveness. And uh, so that is the third stage, the immoral stage. And then finally, we get to the last stage of this progression of rejection. It, that is the irrational, irrational verses 28 to 32. And it is basically because they rejected God. Verse 28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things that are not fitting. So they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They wanted to erase God from their thinking, from the laws in their country, from their everyday life, 
there's no God. There's no thought about God. It's all about me. It's all about man. And it's all about me doing what's best for me. No thought of God at all. No, uh, no responsibility to the authority of God in their life. And so God gave them over to a reprobate mind. They were debased, destitute of sound judgment. They, they can't even make proper laws in their government. They can't even think a, a, a rational way. It doesn't make sense to them because they can't think straight because they've departed so far from God, from God's laws uh, that they just are destitute of sound judgment. And then the last part there of verse 32, it says, uh, well, uh, verse 32, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things, all of these sinful things that are listed in verses 29 through 31, those that practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So not only they do that same wickedness, they approve of others that do. And I call this vicarious immorality. Vicarious immorality. Leading uh, an immoral life uh, through someone else. That's the idea of pornography. That's vicarious immorality. Being immoral through uh, another means, not with an actual person. It's vicarious immorality. And so you see the, the rejection of God, the rejection of his authority in your life leads to this progression. It starts first basically just being indifferent not necessarily so overtly wicked, but just indifferent to God and the things of God. And that, in, that in, uh, always will lead to an independent lifestyle where you begin to live your life independent of God. God has no place in your life. And third, that leads then to an immoral life, things that are unnatural, vile, and shameful. And the final step in all of this is to be completely irrational, reject God, have a reprobate mind, and vicarious immorality, a lost cause. But is there really a lost cause? God can forgive any sin. But the thing is, we must yield ourselves. We must surrender ourselves to him. Uh, without faith, it is impossible to believe that, to believe God, to trust in God. Uh, because first of all, we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who uh, seek him. So we have to first believe that God is. And uh, so we're, we're very thankful. Those of us that know Christ as our Lord and Savior, uh, we are thankful that he has reached down to us through his Holy Spirit, drawn us to himself, and that he's helped us to make that decision to receive Christ as our Savior. But we live in a world surrounded by uh, those that are indifferent, independent, immoral, and irrational because they've rejected God. So I bring it back around to the point that I always like to end up on. What part are you doing to lead others?
to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Each one of us knows people that fall into one of these four categories that are in this progression of rejection. What are we doing to save them from that, to bring them to the foot of the cross, Calvary's cross, to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And so I thank you for listening. Um, I hope this has put a few things into context for you. And uh, I would be open for questions if, if that's the format, David. Thank you. And thank you so much once again, uh, Mr. Peter. I, I have been taking notes. I, I'm sure you have noticed. I've been sharing some of my notes in the, in the, in the chat. But thank you uh, so much. I mean, as a church, we've also been looking at uh, the book of Romans. And uh, this is amazing. This is amazing. Now, the, the four points that you just mentioned uh, or took us through, of course, they, they are in a progressive format, at least when you see verse 18 all the way to the end. Uh, being, first of all, indifferent and then independent, um, uh, immoral and, uh, and irrational. And it's it's interesting. I, I've been I've been really uh, thinking about uh, these uh, as, as you are sharing, and I, I wanted to ask if uh, I know it may not be something you're prepared for, but is there some kind of evaluation questions uh, that we could use maybe to identify us and uh, where we are at? Of course, we know what to do. We know what to do in terms of reversing the process. But I just came up maybe with two questions. Uh, they may be not the best questions to ask uh, as an evaluation, at least for uh, step one, where we turn indifferent, where we suppress the truth in righteousness. And the question I have here is, do you excuse the sin in your life? Um, uh, the other question is, do you have a valid reason uh, to sin? And valid is in quotes, because there's really no valid reason to sin. But that will be able to help us maybe identify and see if we are indifferent. But Mr. Peter, what other questions come to mind uh, as, as an evaluation to know whether or not we are uh, in the process of becoming irrational, which I think is the worst form uh, of, uh, of sin? Um, I, I like the word you mentioned there, uh, vicarious immorality. And I, I actually looked it up. Uh, because these are not words we usually use in our day-to-day -day speech. But the, the basic definition here is um, it's an adjective for experienced in the imagination through feelings or, or actions of another person. You, you kind of experience either in the imagination or through feelings, or, but it's, it's something you experience uh, feelings. It may, not be, it may not be something you're doing in actions, but you are approving is the word that... Uh, that you used. But any actions, I mean, any questions, Mr. Peter, that can help us just simply evaluate uh, where we are at uh, as we look at uh, those four points uh, that you mentioned. Anything that comes to mind, Mr. Peter? Okay, well, it, the first thing, if you want to evaluate yourself, is ask yourself the question, have I thought about God today? Have I spent even... 15 seconds uh, thinking about God or do I believe there is a God? Maybe we should start there uh, because this is all, this whole chapter is based on rejecting the idea that there is God. And hmm. if you've not spent any time today at all thinking about God, or that there is a God, or if there is a God, what's my responsibility to him, then I would say you are well on your way down this progression. You may have already uh, passed the indifferent stage, and you may be living in the independent stage, if mm -hmm. not beyond mm -hmm. that. So... That, wow. That's where I would start. That, that's that's very close. Uh, we, we, we don't have to go weeks ago or months ago. We're, we're, we're talking about today. Um, yes. Do I, do I believe there is a God? 
Um, the other thing I would like to appreciate, Mr. Peter, um, when you're talking about stage two of, uh, not stage two, but point number two of uh, independence and, and wanting to live on our own, I've, I'm always fascinated by the fact that uh, Romans describes uh, these men who I cannot say I know who exactly they are. They may be known as the barbarians, or but it's interesting that it says, for they, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks that thanksgiving can actually be a source of or a beginning of a major downfall. And, uh, and I know sometimes we, we talk to kids, some of us who are young parents, you give a kid a sweet and then we say, what do you say? What do you say? And it mm -hmm. becomes like a song. We don't take it as a very important virtue to learn of Thanksgiving. And I know as we were beginning today, we did read a psalm concerning Thanksgiving. And uh, I'm, I'm really, when I think about your story um, of uh, the food baskets, um, it is true. Some out of pride may think, hey, you're thinking of us as, uh, as a charity case. Out of pride, someone can have that conclusion. And so the, the gentleman coming to you with humongous apologies of, hey, please don't think that we're thinking of you this way. It is actually possible that someone else could think that way of themselves. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, the, the, the attitude of thankfulness um, is, is just, it's just something I think we need to treasure. And like you began at the beginning of the show when you said that uh, it would be interesting if each one of us were given five minutes in hell, I think we'll be thankful. <laughs> I think we'll be thankful. We would I look at three you. baskets of food differently. <laughs> three baskets of food differently. If you're starved, you, you'd appreciate those. But I think it's interesting that Thanksgiving is really at the core of uh, of what we're talking about tonight. So I, I really appreciate that uh, concerning concerning Thanksgiving. Um, but any any final thoughts, uh, Mr. Peter, to, to what we're talking about tonight? What else has come to your mind? Well, it's just that, you know, if not for the grace of God, each mm -hmm. one of us would be like those being described in this first chapter of Romans, if not for the mm. grace of God. And so if you know Christ today as your Savior, be so very, very thankful for that grace and that mercy and that love that he mm. showed to you. Um, you talk about thankfulness. Um, I, I'm not a person who goes around judging other people and, and their actions. But I do take notice of how thankful people are. Mm. And those that are truly thankful for what God has done for them and is doing to them and with them, I see them being blessed even more and more. Mm. But those that are unthankful, ungrateful, I don't typically see their lives flourishing. God mm. really desires a thankful heart, a heart mm. that praises and thanks him for what he has done. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I've actually been thinking about as well areas in which I've been unthankful. And uh, I think it's, a, it's really a question for all of us. Uh, to think deep uh, about that one area. Well, David Chirira has a question down below, and he just took it right out of my keyboard because I was about to ask a similar question. But he says, the culture around us is heavily indifferent uh, to God. What are some ways this has been adopted in the church today, and, and how can I guard against this? And uh, my version of this same question was, how do we survive a world surrounded by people or a culture that literally opposes uh, the truth? I don't know if they're the same question, uh, but yeah, how can we, what are some of the ways uh, this has been adopted in the church, some of the ways in which we have gone ahead and uh, viewed life just like the way the world views it? 
and how can we uh, guard us, ourselves against this? I think one of the points that has been really clear, said over and over, even as we were starting out, is, is being thankful. But Mr. Peter, how can we continue to survive a culture? And this is going to be the last question, really, for tonight. But what, what, what would be the, the way in which you'd say, how can we survive a culture where everyone around us, uh, it becomes normal when we, when we literally um, are indifferent or having indifferent uh, to God? Well, first of all, I would say we need to dare to be a Daniel. Look at Daniel. He was a teenage boy when he was carried away as a captive into a foreign nation, a godless nation, a nation that stood totally against his God. And what did this teenage boy, Daniel, and his friends do? They stood up for what they knew to be the truth. They stood up and proclaimed that there is a God, the God of Israel, the one true God. And we read through the book of Daniel how the Lord blessed them. So how do we handle it in churches that have uh, adopted this indifferent uh, idea to God? Speak the truth. Proclaim the truth of God's word. Uh, not your own opinions. I, I see a lot of people saying their own opinions about this or about that. Proclaim the word of God. There is power in the truth of God's word. So every chance you get, proclaim the word of God and it will not return void. Thank you so much for listening to Cabin Devils. Cabin Devils happens every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time. If you'd like to catch this program, find the link in the description below. Hope to see you next time. Bye-bye.